Let's study Mark 1 verse 1. Does the New Testament book of Mark present Jesus as a human or as God in human form? We're going to look under the hood in depth at this verse. The book of Mark actually really confuses people. And it's understandable because it wasn't written to us. It was written to an ancient audience using their language and their terminology. So there will be some things that sail over our heads unless we work at thinking like an ancient person living at the time when this was written. One common claim you'll hear is that Mark never said Jesus is God. That Mark only depicts Jesus as a human. For instance, if you visited Wikipedia's page today on the Gospel of Mark, it would say, unlike John, Mark never calls Jesus God or claims that Jesus existed prior to his earthly life. Unlike Matthew and Luke, the author does not mention a virgin birth and apparently believes that Jesus had only a normal human parentage at birth. It is true that Mark didn't describe Jesus' birth, but what about that claim that Jesus never calls Mark God? They're right that Mark does not say it in those terms, but he does say it in another way. So maybe we can find that in the first few sentences of Mark. So let's take a look. Mark chapter 1 verse 1 says this, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ the Son of God. The first thing that jumps out is that phrase, sons of God, because some will say we're all sons of God. It just means Jesus is human. Because in the New Testament, the phrase sons of God is used as an analogy to describe human believers. But you could just as easily argue that it means a divine being. In the Old Testament, the same phrase, sons of God, had always meant a being who lives in the spiritual realm, a god. We usually think of them as angels. So which does Mark mean here when he says sons of God? If we can figure that out, then we can solve the puzzle of whether or not Mark thought Jesus was God or human. The cultural context gives us a hint. Mark was writing to people living under Roman rule. If you said son of God to the audience Mark was writing to, they would have immediately thought of someone else who claimed to be the Son of God. And it was the Roman Emperor Caesar Augustus. According to History.com, Caesar Augustus, the Emperor of Rome, also claimed to be the Son of God, as the previous Caesar claimed to be God. A different God. Augustus also claimed to have a miraculous birth. An ancient source called the Testimonies 289 in Asclepius states, Alexander the Great and Augustus are deemed to have been conceived of a serpent god, and they claimed between them Phoebus and Jupiter as their progenitors. So basically, Augustus claimed to be the child of Phoebus and Jupiter. The phrase son of God referred to a son of a deity in ancient times, and it wasn't just Caesar. When Mark called Jesus the Son of God, he was actually firing a shot at Caesar. Scholars think that he was sort of critiquing this idea that Caesar was a divine being or a, a child of the gods. 
He's really trying to say, Caesar's not the son of God. Jesus is. It's actually a literary strategy called a polemic. It's a critique. To make it obvious that Mark was critiquing Caesar, he used the term gospel to introduce Jesus. The word gospel actually means good news. Caesar Augustus's birth was announced as good news, as gospel. And it was known as the birthday of a god. That comes from Word Biblical Commentary Notes on Mark 1. Caesar would also claim to bring peace. Jesus would later be called the Prince of Peace. The parallels would have been really hard for an ancient person to miss. They're easy for us to miss today, though, because we don't have that context. So it seems Mark was subtly trying to make the point that Caesar was a false god, while Jesus was the true Son of God. But there's more. The phrase Son of God may have implied that Jesus wasn't just God's Son, but that he was also God himself. There were other nations whose rulers claimed to be the Son of God. The Egyptian ruler, Pharaoh, is a great example. It's the same Pharaoh that Moses confronted in the book of Exodus. So this is part of the biblical history. In Pharaoh's case, Son of God meant both an offspring of a god and a literal human incarnation of the Egyptian god. Biblical Archaeology Society notes, in almost every royal inscription from ancient Egypt, the Pharaoh is called the son of Re, also known as Ra, the sun god. Egyptians thought Ra was the creator of the world, the creator of humans, similar to how Christians believe God created humans. So Ra was Egypt's Yahweh figure. Lexham Bible Dictionary says, Pharaoh was known as the incarnation of Ra. In other words, they believed the god Ra took on human form as Pharaoh. That should sound familiar. So which is it? Is Pharaoh the god Ra or is he the son of Ra? Because we've just found out that both claims are made. It appears the Egyptians thought he was both. So both the god Ra and the son of Ra. That type of thinking should sound eerily familiar to you. It sounds like the way we describe Jesus' relationship to God in the Trinity. Jesus is God in human form, but also the Son of God. It's a belief called the doctrine of incarnation within Christianity. That is what an ancient person would probably be thinking when they heard the phrase Son of God. Not just a son of the God, but an incarnation, a human form of that God. So that phrase had implications. It did not just mean Jesus was only human or merely a literal son of God, but Mark was probably also trying to make the point that Jesus was the human incarnation of God, God in human form. So you might ask, why didn't he just say that then? Why didn't Mark just say that? Well, he did, just not the way that we would phrase it today. But back then, the phrase sons of God was probably enough for an ancient person living in the first century to understand that. So maybe if Mark said that today, he would just come right out and say son of God. But living in different times, he uses different language that they would understand. The ESV also has an interesting footnote on this verse. It says that 
a few manuscripts omit the phrase son of God. So that might freak you out. The question people will ask when they read that footnote is, how many manuscripts omit son of God? They're going to wonder if the phrase son of God was added later by a scribe or if somebody tampered with the manuscript. So let's check the Lexham textual notes. It says, a few early manuscripts have of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but most early manuscripts and related later witnesses have of the gospel of Jesus Christ, son of God. So most have son of God. One late manuscript has of the gospel of Jesus Christ, son of the Lord. And a few other witnesses simply have of the gospel. So most of the early sources do call Jesus the Son of God, but which came first? Scholars have a way to solve these conundrums. Dr. Michael Heiser explained that in most cases, the harder reading is the original reading. What he means by that is the more difficult reading to accept usually came first in almost all cases. The job of a scribe is to make the text easier to understand easier to stomach. If it's confusing or potentially could be read the wrong way, their job is to make it clear. It means the scribes would have been much more likely to remove a challenging or controversial phrase like son of God to make Mark's gospel easier to accept. They'd be unlikely to add that because it's controversial. There are enough early manuscripts that call Jesus the son of God that scholars accept that this is most likely the original reading. So back to the original question. Did Mark think Jesus was only human? The more we dive into the context and the thinking of the day, the less likely that seems. If Mark's message wasn't clear, it's gonna become even more clear when we dive into verses two and three in the next video, but we'll investigate that next time. There are other ways that Mark said that Jesus is the Son of God and God in human form that kind of fly over our heads. They're invisible to us because we're modern readers, but we're gonna dig those up as we go through the book of Mark in future videos. And just to tease a little bit, there is one hidden in Mark chapter six when Jesus walks on water. There's a pretty stunning claim there that we don't necessarily see today. So we will uncover that in a future video and more. Hey, thanks for watching. If you enjoyed this video, subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell. And if you wanna follow Brewery Ministries in the different ways that we're helping people explore faith in breweries, homes, and online, then sign up for our email list at breweryministries.org. We'll see you next time.